This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you copy me every week. That's just because I have nothing. I come into this without preparation. (laughs) I don't either. I just kind of roll with it and then you go, you just fall right in line. It's it's great. It just happens. It's cute. That's cute. Um, what are we? It is episode 22. (laughs) I couldn't remember what number we were on. After 22 episodes, we still don't know what the fuck we're doing. No, and we probably never will. It's fine. Yep. We're just here. It's episode 22, and we're doing stalkers. Stalkers. Yeah. (laughs) And it's Wednesday, so we have a hump day treat. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> because you were like, it's Wednesday, and you paused, and I felt like I should say something, but then nothing came out. I was just like, <laughs> staring blankly. Okay. Well, I'll run, we are I will run the show tonight. I got it. With half your voice. With half my voice, and if I hack up along in the middle of it, I'm so sorry. It's fine. Amanda's the dramatic one tonight. I'm dying she, tonight. This she's week I'm dying. Me, yes, that she's going to die. So yeah, it's my turn. Here we are. I've been sick for a freaking week. It's officially been seven days now. Oh my god, this cold. Go to the doctor. Sucks. I don't. I've got. You've been sick for seven days. Ooh, <laughs> that's some ring shit. Oh shit, y'all need to check on me tomorrow. <laughs> Make sure I'm still around. Make sure that my TV hasn't come on and, and some chick crawled out and got me. If I check on you and there's like fuzz static on your TV, I'm peacing out. Just leave. I'm Just leave. Don't, don't stick around for that shit. You already know what happened. Bye, bitch. Just call the police and be like, hey, I need to report somebody missing. Okay. I'm going straight to the FBI. I'm going to be extra as fuck. Okay. Good. I'm, a, I'm a Patrick Hines this. Yes. 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 Girl. Girl! (laughs) (laughs) Our hump day treat is from the gas station down the street. Mm -hmm. It has a little liquor store attached to it, which is actually super fabulous. And it's like going to Cheers because they all know me, which is probably not a good thing. But they also have a drive-thru. You're a gas station celebrity. I am. I am trailer park famous. <laughs> Just don't hate. Don't be jealous. Where everybody knows your name. <laughs> so since I follow their Facebook page, I saw that they have <laughs> pumpkin spice daiquiris today. <laughs> so I pulled up and I was like, hey, dude, I need two. So, um, and it's Venaria, Venaria, Venaria. Venereal? I've, okay, the reason I have a problem pronouncing it correctly is because I always say either Vineria or I say Venaria because it reminds me of venereal disease. <laughs> so I make, like, but I really seriously love this place. They have so many, like, good things. They're, they're pretty cool. It's they're, on Florinoy Lucas? Uh-huh. Okay. 
The gas station that starts with a V on Florinoy Lucas. It's the Chevron gas station. Chevron. But yeah. It's where the Port City Grill is, too. Oh, there you go. Yep. There Landmark. you go. So, okay. now you know. Go. She'll, she'll tag them on Facebook. Absolutely. Y'all got to go check them out, though. They're super sweet. I love every person that works in there. Okay, there we go. There's a home day treat. Okay. <laughs> if you would like to see pictures of the stories and of other shenanigans, mm-hmm. you should follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, you should. We got a Twitter. We tweet sometimes. Sometimes. Amanda tweets sometimes. Yeah. Um. So go follow us on all the things. And let's see. What else? I just don't post the episode photos on, on Twitter. Yes. To follow along with the episode photos, you need to go to Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. You'll also get uh, hump day treat pictures, uh, funny little memes, little games. And goofy us. pictures of us. And maybe, our- maybe a little glimpse inside of our twisted little brains. I'm sorry. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Okay. That's let's, it. Let's that's all this. the things. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all the things. So. Um, we're doing stalkers. Yeah. Since Amanda chose such a monumental stalker. I couldn't help myself. It's fine. We're all we're all ready in here for it. Yeah. I'm going to do my my little case first. It's short and sweet, but super awesome. You know what? That's okay cuz you've had a couple of long ones the past couple of weeks. So I know, and they're probably You tired. deserve a break. They're tired of hearing my voice. I know they are. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sure they eye roll at mine. So it's oh fine. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Let's get to it. Okay. I'm going to do the case of Lori Show. Oh, I haven't heard this one. I hadn't either. It just Ooh. came up in all my searches, and I read like a short, tiny paragraph about it, and I was like, this is it. This is the case I'm doing. Okay. I love it when that happens. I know. So, in 1991, a 16-year-old student at Conestoga Valley High School in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, named Lori Show, became the victim of a nonstop ordeal of stalking and harassment. If you want to go hang, go to the notes. Yeah. There's a picture that says Lori Show. And this is Lori Show. Oh. To me, this is. Hello, does, bangs. This does not look like 1991 to me. It looks like 1986 to me. Um, I don't know. That's when I was 11. That's that's pretty close. Is it? Yeah. That's, that's my hairstyle. I guess my mom did have bangs like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Well. I was young in 91. I for sure did. But my mom did do sweepy bangs. I had sweepy bangs for a little while. Mm-hmm. Not very long. And you got to get them just right. You know, you got to curl them back the other way, the I top just, half. And I was just looking at the turtleneck and oh yeah, earrings and I don't know. Um, that was, that was still early 90s as well. That was more the preppy look. That that's was, why I don't that's know why. that. That's why. That was not you. <laughs> That never has been, so that's, that's why. That's why I don't know. Yeah, that. that was the preppy look. But she looks sweet as can be, and she I'm does. sorry she doesn't even look, like, she doesn't look 16 to me. She looks like a grown woman, for goodness sake, but. She looks about 18. She looks so cute and happy. I like her. But she's cute. Yeah, that's Miss Lori Show. Okay. All right, so, Lori was targeted by a girl named Lisa Michelle Lambert, 19 years old. I also have a picture of Lisa Michelle Lambert, who goes by Michelle, so I'll be calling her Michelle. So there's a picture that says Michelle Lambert. Okay. That is my early 90s aesthetic. What the (laughs) fuck? 
She's only eyeliner and lip liner. She's only 19. She's 19, but she, she looks rough. Damn, look how long her hair is. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. She got crazy eyes. Holy shit. Yes, I do see that. So, this is Michelle. She looks 30, not 19. She's had a rough go of it. Okay. She was actually still in high school when this took place. Oh, shit. At 19. Oh, that was probably her senior photo. Probably. So cute. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. I have senior photos. Did you do senior photos? Sort of. Hmm. I had the one from school. And then my mom took some pictures of me. Like, I didn't go have pictures made. My mom took some pictures of me in the backyard. It was really cute. We may have to find those. Okay. Maybe. That would be cute. We should find, we should get our senior photos. Okay. No? I mean, I'll do it. I'm not, I'm not I'm excited not, about I'm not, I'm not, pro- <laughs> I'm not excited. <laughs> I liked them at the time. I look back on them now and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> If I dyed my hair box dye black before or <laughs> after those photos. Um, my hair was jaw length. Oh my. It was super short. Mine was still long. I've always had the long, well, I say always, like in elementary school, I chopped it off. But since then, since that one time I cho- chopped it off and went, honey, this is not your look. Yeah. It's been long ever since. But... I had been highlighting it and dyeing it red and stuff. Mm. That was my first foray into color when I was in high school. I did red a lot. And I had decided that my soul was not a redhead. My soul was black. (laughs) So I was going to dye my hair black. And I did it from a box over red hair dye. Oh. I had like stripes in it. Okay. I mean, multi colors. It was not okay. No. I know. I, I remember trying to dye my hair blonde like my junior. No, that was my sophomore year. And in my sophomore pictures, my hair is like orange. That's why I pay good money for my hair color. Yeah. <laughs> I learned the hard way. <laughs> and I also never cut my hair short again because that was. You live and you learn. Yeah. Okay. Tangent about hair. Okay. So now we're back on it. Um, Michelle was upset because she believed that Lori was attracted to her love interest, Lawrence Butch Yunkin, 20 years old. Okay. So, his name is Lawrence. He goes by Butch. Let's go look (gasps) at what Butch Yunkin looks like. Please, please let me see. The only picture I could find of him was after he was arrested. Oh, what in the Billy Ray Cyrus fuck (laughs) is going on with his head? I kind of get it. There was a couple other pictures, if y'all want to Google him. They just weren't as, you couldn't see as much of his face. It's like side profiles, but you can really see the mullet in those. Dude, he's y'all. got a good jawline. No, he ain't cute. I'm, okay, no. well, in this, I haven't seen the other photos. Okay, Get off that train, like, honey. <laughs> he's like young Patrick Swayze with long, blonde, curly hair. No, he looks like MGK with a mullet. Stop it. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with MGK? I love him. I can love him and not think he's attractive. You think he's attractive? Girl, I would lick him from head to toe. <laughs> oh, honey. I'm going to have to have a talk. I think it's, I this. think, like, if he was a normal person, I probably wouldn't think he was cute. It's but just because I love he's famous and you like his songs. And, like, I, I like his demeanor and, like, I don't, not demeanor. Like, I just like his style. I refuse I to listen to his uh, new punk music. I haven't listened to any of that. 
You have. Yes. It can't be good. Have you seen the video with him and Megan Fox? Absolutely not. Oh. It's like eye candy times two. <laughs> He's not eye candy to me. So it would be someone hanging on my eye candy. Okay. I still I still like him. I'm still here for it. So we have very different <laughs> tasting eyes, obviously. Apparently. Y'all don't know. <laughs> okay. Second paragraph. <laughs> no. No. We're still we, in the first paragraph. Maybe I've read three sentences. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked about hair and MGK, so well, this is just what you get today. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> so Michelle. Okay. I took this part out. I'm going to throw it back in real quick. Okay. So it says, I told y'all that, um, Michelle was upset because she thought that Lori was attracted to her boyfriend. So let me go into that just a little bit more. Okay. So Michelle and Butch, I love teenage drama. Me <laughs> too. Me too. With my like, hands. <laughs> give it to me. It's like Pretty Little Liars stuff. I know. <laughs> I'm such a dork. <laughs> so, anyways, okay, a tell me. <laughs> so Michelle and Butch were a thing. Okay, for a few months, and they broke up, and then he set his sights on Lori, and she wasn't really into him, but he asked her out on a date that did not go well. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Okay. They went on a date, but it didn't go well. And then him and Michelle got back together. So there was no overlap. They did go out on a date, but Lori did not want Michelle's man. Okay. Well, then what the fuck is her problem? She cray. Ew. Bitches be crazy. Okay. Okay. So, but um, Michelle had recently become pregnant with Butch's child and was obsessively jealous of Lori. So oh, she got them hormones. hormones. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But you got to be a little bit cray for that to come out just because you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So in actuality, Butch had allegedly raped Lori. <gasps> so on their date, like, yeah, he raped her. And she wanted nothing to do with him. Wow. Okay. I don't like him anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Never mind. Even so, Michelle harassed Lori, taunting her with obscene phone calls and openly threatening her wherever she saw her in public. Michelle would also appear at Lori's job and verbally assault her. Oh, my God. Witnesses reported that Michelle had expressed an intent to scare Lori, then hurt her, then slit her throat. Can you say restraining order? Right. Lori's mother, Hazel Show, attempted to file assault charges against Michelle, but it wasn't helpful. Because. <sighs> yeah. Because laws in the 90s. Because girls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) We sneaky, persistent little bitches. It's true. Yeah. On December 21st, Hazel received a phone call from who she believed was a counselor asking her to drop by the school for a meeting about Lori. It turned out the call was just a diversion to get Lori alone. When Hazel returned home, she was horrified to discover that her daughter had been murdered. (gasps) Police later recorded that Show had received a five-inch gash to the throat, a stab wound that punctured a lung, and another that grazed her spine, several wounds to the head, and a number of defensive wounds. If you'll go to the notes real quick, mm-hmm. I have a picture that says crime scene. <gasps> Ooh, okay. That is where she was found. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, just like on, is... the, on the floor of her room. That's That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of blood. Okay. Yeah, it's not good. Nope. It, no, no. 
Lori used her dying words to tell her mother that Michelle was responsible. This is what she said, uh, quote, Michelle did it. I love you. Those are the last words she ever said to her mother. Oh, my God. So she got to. Oh, yeah. She was still hanging on when her mom got there, but it was too late. Oh, my God. The next day, Michelle was arrested along with an accomplice named Tabitha Buck, 17, at a local bowling alley. Because they used to go to this bowling alley to play pool and hang out. And that's where they got arrested. Okay. So if you want to go to the notes, you can see a picture of of the accomplice. It says Tabitha Buck. And here is your hair. (laughs) Okay. My hair? No, I just meant hair. Like, more hair. More hair in this conversation. Um, Everyone everyone has the hair. I I don't. I'm not digging this one. I don't dig any of them. Uh. I never, no, no. It's big, y'all. This is 80s hair. I mean. No, that's 80s hair. It, it I don't, I don't know. I remember seeing like a, a few girls when I was in like fourth grade. What was that? Two, 90? Hell, I don't know. I think that was 90. I yeah. I can't tell they, you what year I was in the fourth grade. Are you kidding me? Well, it's because I was born in 80, so it's really easy to remember how old I was. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Y'all, I just saw a big light bulb go off above Brittany's head. If it head. was a cartoon. <laughs> so I was in fourth grade in 95. There you go. Okay. Ta-da. I don't remember that hair. I do. That's big hair. That was something that, like, all the older girls had, and I would, I couldn't do it. My mom wouldn't let me. Like, I tried, but it... That's d- kind of what my hair looks <clears throat> like when I wake up in the morning now. <laughs> oh, then you nailed it! You nailed it! Nice! Yeah, mine kind of does that, too. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Especially if I don't dry it or anything. <laughs> Just go to bed with a yeah. long head. That's what it looks like. Wake up, it's up. like, well, it if is I what it is. If I took my bun down right now, that's probably what it would look like. Well, mine would, but I just chopped it off, so... I have no hair anymore. You might as well be bald. There's nothing. I know. There's nothing there. I'd feel naked. I can't with you. I know. <laughs> Whatever. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> Butch Yunkin. <laughs> that name is so bad. It's so it's bad. so bad. <laughs> okay. Butch Yunkin was also arrested for dropping the girls <laughs> off at Lori's home. Butch stated that he had not participated in the murder and that while he was aware that Michelle and Tabitha planned to cut Lori's hair with a knife as a prank, he did provide them with an alibi as well as helping to dispose of evidence. Yeah, yeah. You going down to, asshole. And who in their right mind is going to be like, oh, you just want to go in there and, you know, scare her and cut her hair? Okay, I'll take you. Uh, well... No. He was a young guy. He was probably he was 20. easily a young, dumb, and full of cum, boo. <laughs> he was probably easily manipulated into that situation. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. There's just no scenario where somebody's going to tell me, I just want to go cut this girl's hair with a knife. Will you take me? That I'm going to be like, okay. He... I, I just don't... He was thinking he, with his he, little butch. He... <laughs> there you go yeah exactly his mini yunkin was in control (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my god. <laughs> okay. I'm calling it that from now on. <laughs> Let me see that mini Yunkin. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just on the podcast. Just on the podcast. <laughs> That's not how you're going to seduce your lovers? Girl, what about I, ain't your got, I ain't got no freaking lovers. <laughs> what about you? What the fuck, bro? What the frock? <laughs> what about your youngkin? Let's get it on. <laughs> Not with that, honey. You better pull your pants back up and go home. <laughs> okay. okay. We've gone sideways. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just broke Amanda, so... They were all charged as adults. Michelle was pregnant at the time of her arrest, and police had to formulate a plan for how to handle the birth of her child and who would take care of the baby while she was incarcerated. Oh, my gosh. She totally just marked her baby. She killed somebody while she was pregnant. She totally just freaking marked her baby. She marked her baby. Yeah. That's a thing? What yeah. Is, what are you talking about? Like, cursed it. That curses your baby? I mean, I don't know. It's a superstition. That's what people say. Like, you can't, you're not supposed to watch horror films while you're pregnant because it'll mark your baby. Okay. I don't know these things. Yeah. My mom told me that all the time. Maybe I've no, maybe because I've never been pregnant, nobody had to scare me about marking my baby. Why are you eyebrow on me, Jamie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, there he is again. (laughs) Okay. Now, where was I? I don't know. Michelle and Tabitha would later recant their initial statements, with Michelle claiming that an abusive butch had encouraged her to harass and assault Lori. Of course. He is a rapist. He is a rapist. But. But I don't believe that for one second. No. People who knew the suspects were largely unsurprised at the crime. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Nicole Schmidt, a former classmate of Michelle's, said, quote, Oh, yeah, I thought she could do it, end quote. According to the Intelligencer <laughs> Journal. <laughs> what an awful name for a paper. The Intelligencer? Intelligencer? The Intelligencer Journal. They I couldn't think like it. it. Try again, guys. That Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Go back in the meeting. Yeah. Think again. <laughs> Let's brainstorm one more time. Yeah. Let's circle back to that. On December 23rd, Lori's funeral was held with mourners lining up by the hundreds in the cold drizzle for the viewing. Mm -hmm. All three of the suspects would be tried for the murder of Lori's show. On March 4th, Lancaster County District Attorney Joseph Maddenspacher. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maiden, Maiden Spatcher. It, it could be said so many ways. I don't know. Madden what the Spotcher. Real... Madden Spotcher. Maiden Spotcher. Maiden. I don't know. It probably. I don't know. But sometimes the CH makes a K. Madden Spocker. I don't know. I don't know. District Attorney <laughs> Joseph announced that he would be seeking the death penalty for Michelle and Tabitha. On March 19th, Michelle was released from prison for a few hours to give birth to a baby girl. Her parents took custody of the child. Cool. Butch agreed to testify against Michelle, stating that she and Tabitha had slit Lori's throat after the two had punctured one of her lungs. Michelle was convicted on July 20th, 1992 of first-degree murder and criminal conspiracy in the death of Lori Show. Tabitha was convicted of similar charges. 
Michelle and Tabitha were both given life sentences, while Butch received a lesser sentence for testifying against them and was granted parole in 2003. Yeah, it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Michelle appealed the 1992 conviction and in 1997 appeared in court for a federal habeas corpus hearing. U.S. District Judge Stuart Dalzell presided over the trial. Michelle's lawyers claimed there were several inconsistencies with the evidence and testimony given in the earlier trial and that she was innocent. (laughs) Michelle claimed she had been framed by Lancaster police officers in order to keep her from coming forward with charges that they had gang raped her. So that's her thing now. What the act... Dalzell, I am not done. Keep listening. Okay. Dalzell overturned the murder conviction on April 15th, 1997, citing that prosecutorial misconduct had resulted in an incorrect ruling. He said she didn't do it. Oh my God. What did she do to him? How? She probably persuaded him as well. Dalzell also barred the state of Pennsylvania for retrying Michelle. Oh my God. Dalzell's ruling was later overturned in January 1998 by a federal appeals panel that stated that Michelle had not yet exhausted her appeals in state court, and she was taken back to prison. Somebody had a brain. She exhausted her appeals in 2005. She kept going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until she exhausted all of her appeals. I felt, I mean, like, they, I felt like there was no reason for me to talk about all of them because, nah. I mean, she didn't, you know, nothing happened. Yeah. She had to stay in jail. Michelle Good. has been bounced from prison to prison in Pennsylvania, Delaware, and New Jersey. She is currently yeah. serving her sentence at a medium security prison in Massachusetts, where she earned a degree from Boston University, graduating with honors. Okay, that's good. Do something productive. Whatever. Yeah. Go to the <laughs> go to the notes and look at the picture that says Michelle Lambert now. Oh, zoom in, honey. Leave your eyebrows alone. Leave them alone. But I mean, she does look fairly normal. Yeah, yeah. the The eyebrows are a little. Just leave them alone. Dark. Just leave them alone. You didn't need to do that much, but I mean, she's she's attractive. She's got the '90s tweez. I guess she had to do that since she was in jail for that time period. She doesn't know that that's not. A yeah, thing I was gonna say they probably don't keep up with the latest <laughs> fashion trends. You know, like right. okay. <laughs> Look at the Michelle Lambert then and the Michelle Lambert now. Yeah. Side by side. Like, she had good brows. Just yeah, she did. Down. Leave them alone. She could have just left them alone. They were fine. I know. The things that matter to us. I know. <laughs> People are probably going, oh, my God, these Shut bitches are up. stupid. Would you just finish the case? Finish the case. Okay. I'm working on it. I didn't say it. They did. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt attacked all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> in 2016, Michelle published a book telling the story of Lori of the Lori show killing from her perspective, including, of course, her claims of innocence. Yeah. I kind of want to read it just to see what she says. I do, too. What she put down on paper. I, do they have like a Cliff's Notes version of it? I don't know. I don't, don't want to spend time reading the whole thing. Like, I just want a synopsis. Can I have a little summary? We'll Google it. Somebody do a book report on it and hand it over. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll send you a sticker if you send us a book report. Ooh, we'll send you more than a sticker. Oh, God. What do you have to offer? <laughs> I'll send uh, you more than a sticker. Um, 
I don't know. I'll figure something out. We'll color you a picture out of my Harry Potter coloring book. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll color you a picture. <laughs> We're retarded. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are. Okay. Okay. In December 2019, Tabitha was paroled after serving 28 years in prison. So her accomplice got out on parole. Yeah, well, Michelle could have done that, too, if she would have just sat tight and shut the she hell up. Been stupid. So go look at the notes at the picture of Tabitha Buck now. Oh. Baby girl didn't age well. No. That. But she looks healthy. She does look healthy. Um, Her skin is clear. You know what? She's actually got. She's got good skin. A, a pretty. Um, That's all I got. She, uh, she looks healthy <laughs> and her skin is clear. That's all I have. That's all I got. She doesn't have crazy eyes. Like, Michelle still does. I know. Tabitha, I mean, she she has, like, a light behind her eyes. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know I if it's bet, just the photo or what, but. I bet Michelle was the mastermind. Um, yes. And Tabitha probably just desperately wanted to hang out with the cool girl. Yes. Or the weird girl, because, you know, there's some people that are incredibly normal, and they want to be weird so badly, and they try to hang out with the weird kids. Or they did bad things together, and it was fun. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she wanted to be cool, like weird girl Michelle. Okay, that, that's my that's my thinking. Okay, because Michelle had an older boyfriend, so she was like cool, and he had this like super awesome mullet. And, I know he's he yeah. had the hair, <laughs> and they were just gonna mean girl somebody. And he drove. She may not have even known they were going over there to kill her. Mm-hmm. She may have thought they were going over there to cut her hair. Maybe, and then it was mob mentality. Just kind of went along with it. Yeah. I don't know. Peer pressure is a bitch, bro. It is a bitch. Okay. I mean, it never made me stab anybody. But True. But I was <laughs> never with anybody else that wanted to stab anybody either. There you go. So, <laughs> there's that. All right. Okay. So, Butch. Yeah, what happened to Butch? Butch was sentenced on October 10th, 1992 to 10 to 20 years in prison after pleading guilty to third degree murder. He was paroled in two thousand. <laughs> he was paroled in two thousand four after serving twelve years. That's the year I graduated. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> the incident prompted Hazel Show, that's Laurie's mother, to campaign for stronger anti stalking laws in Pennsylvania, which went into Winch. Jesus <laughs> Winch. <laughs> <laughs> Which went into effect in June 1993. The oh, okay. End. All right. Cool. That was, oh my, that was, you're right. That was short, but it was very, very sweet. Yes. It's like an yeah, episode of, of Pretty shit. Little Liars. Like, I liked it. If we just changed those names to like Spencer and Aria, oh my it, God. it would be Pretty Little Liars. It would be. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep. I'm telling you. That, that was some good drama right there. I like it. I, I did love that a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. So, I got a good one. Oh, my Lanta. What? Don't look at the photos yet. I, just, I open it up because <laughs> I don't follow along while you read. I know. You going to do your nails while I read? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Brittany's going out later after this for her birthday. Mm-hmm. Men is staying at home since I sick. She doesn't want to spread her germs to the world. No. 
and I don't want to make me any worser. So any worser. <laughs> yeah. I do need to get over this shit. So yes. I'm not even going to tell you who it is. <laughs> I'm not reading the title. They'll know. Oh, you. I mean, you're about to. His family called him Richie. Los Angeles KNBC called him the walk-in killer. To others, he was the Valley Intruder. But the name that stuck, the one that the news media, including the killer himself, latched onto, was the Night Stalker. Whoa. Of course, I'm talking about Richard Ramirez. Mm-hmm. We are here for it. We are all here for it. You want to see a picture of Richie? Of course. Okay. There's Richie in all his glory. Okay, so <laughs> I need to make a statement. Okay. I do not find him attractive. Oh, hell no. But there is something about his cheekbones. There's something about his bone structure that's just like, okay, dude. It's very unique. Like the first yeah, picture. could have been a model if, if he wasn't, you know. He could have been a Luca, you know? I mean. <laughs> Devastatingly good looking. Right? I listened to another podcast on him today. I can't I can't get enough of Luca Magnata, but he is so fucked up. I know. When we got in your car the other day to go get me some tea, I saw that you were listening yeah. to Don't Fuck With Cats. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, if y'all still haven't watched that, go, go, go. Do it. It's so worth it. Yeah. Okay. So, as far as authorities know, he was 24 the first time he took a life. This past June marked 37 years since his first murder, or at least the first one that earned him a conviction. Mm. Before his 26th birthday, he would kill at least 13 more people and commit at least 11 sexual assaults in a wave of seemingly random attacks that terrified residents of Southern California in the summer of 1985. I was five. It was the year <laughs> I was born. I was not born yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but let's go all the way back to the beginning first. Yes. You know how we always like to give mm-hmm. you some history. Richard was born Ricardo Leva Munoz something Ramirez, I don't know. you have another Leva? How many? I do. Are there? I know. I saw that. That's I was a like, "What?" Awful name. Y'all stop it. <laughs> Y'all need to stop. Just stop. <laughs> so Ricardo was born on February 29th in 1960 in El Paso, Texas, the fifth child of Mexican immigrants Mercedes and Julian Ramirez. Mercedes. Yeah. Did she work at Hooters? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't say anything about his mom. What it really reminds me of. I'm sorry. I know you have a lot, but no, I just fine. It reminds me of that episode of South Park with the Raisins girls and they were all named. It, it's like a Hooters for the South Park kids. They're right. It's called Raisins and the word Raisins. <laughs> there's a raisin to dot the eyes and it's oh where their nipples should be. <laughs> I was going to be a Raisins girl for Halloween a couple years ago. I have the shirt. <laughs> Holy. <gasps> I have to show you that. Anyway, it reminds me of that Costume episode. Costume idea. <laughs> it reminds me of that episode, though, because all the Raisins girls were named after cars. There was Porsche and Mercedes and oh, Ferrari. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to go find that. because yeah, it's so I, funny. I probably did see it, but... I, and Butters fell in love with one of them. He thought she loved him, but she was really just trying to get tips from him. And she called him Sweetie. Okay, oh my. Sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay. It's great. Okay, sorry. Steven, play a clip. Yes. We need Please. to know about the Raisins girls. We need to enlighten. Mm-hmm. Enlighten the masses. Oh, sweetie, are you leaving? Well, I don't want to, Lexus, but my stupid friends want to go. Aw, well, when am I going to get to see you again? When do you want to see me? As soon as possible. Oh, my God. Here, we left you a tip already, but here's another $5. Oh, you are such a sweetie. Come here, you. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm here to bring you the real educational shit. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. His father, King Julian. <laughs> <laughs> I said to add that. Julian was a heavy drinker and prone to fits of anger that often resulted in physical abuse. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Recipe for a serial killer. Go on. Every time. Mm-hmm. Ramirez reportedly sustained multiple head injuries at an early age. At age two, a dresser fell on top of him. That's why you're supposed to bolt them bitches. To I walk. know. They make those little kits now. Like, mm-hmm. um, and he got 30 stitches from that. 30. Can you imagine a two-year-old? Do you, like, how big would a cut have to be for 30 stitches? That's like his whole entire head. Oh. That's he, insane. He crushed his noggin. That's what's wrong with yeah, him. Yeah, he split it wide open. Oh, my goodness. Um, later, when he was five, he was knocked unconscious by a swing and began experiencing epileptic fits. Epileptic. Okay. That word. Yeah. Epileptic. I'm elected. <laughs> we are scholars. We're fine. As a 12-year-old, he was strongly influenced by his older cousin, Miguel Mike Ramirez, a decorated Green Beret combat veteran who himself had already become a serial killer and a rapist in Vietnam. Mike often boasted... Hey, this dude, for real. Uh, yeah. I, look, his whole family contributed to his actions whole entire family garbage yeah mike often boasted of his brutal war crimes during the war and shared polaroid photos of his victims both during and after his crimes with his younger cousin richard including vietnamese women he had raped murdered and dismembered Many of the women and girls in the photos were bound to trees with rope before Mike raped them and afterwards killed them by decapitating them with a machete. In some of the photos, Mike posed with the severed heads of the women. No, I don't have a photo. Richard (laughs) Richard would later state while incarcerated that he was never shocked or repulsed by these images and stories of his cousin's wartime atrocities in Vietnam. But that they fascinated him. Richard, who had started smoking marijuana and drinking mm-hmm. alcohol at the age of 10. Drugs are bad, okay? Y'all, y'all, <laughs> don't do drugs. Crack is whack. It kills. Uh, bonded with Mike through the two smoking joints and drinking beers while he listened to his elder cousin's gruesome war stories. So they were smoking fatties, drinking beers, drinking beers, beers, beers? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. That, that's what they was doing. Uh, Mike taught his young cousin some of his military skills, such as killing with stealth. Around this time, Ramirez began to seek escape from his father's violent temper by sleeping in a local cemetery. 
You know, him and uh, Anatoly Moskvin would have been like besties. <laughs> yeah, they would have. Yeah. You know who else used to sleep in cemeteries sometimes? Who? Eileen Warnos. <gasps> she did. Oh, my God. Well, they should have all hung out. Right. They would have. Or maybe they should not have. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it probably would have been way worse. Maybe they should not have. Okay. So I have a picture of Ricky and Ricky. Richie Rich. I have a picture of Richie Rich and Mike. <laughs> Richie Rich and Mikey. Oy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. This is Richie and Mike. <laughs> so he looked really sweet in this picture. Right? He totes could have been a model had he not went down the path he went. Drugs are bad, people. Um, His cousin? Crazy eyes. Oh, yeah. His cousin's too far gone. He, no. Dude. No. There is, like, I feel like he's staring into my <laughs> yeah. soul. I have to click off of the picture. <laughs> like, if if I saw him walking down the street towards me, I would probably cross the duck sidewalk. Duck into the store. <laughs> and yell fire. Yeah. <laughs> fire, fire. Okay. He does not look good. I'm going to steer away from that. But their excellent adventures didn't stop there. Richard was present. You get you get my reference. Bill and Ted. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Richard was present on May fourth, nineteen seventy three. Get this shit. When his cousin Mike fatally shot his wife Jessie in the face with a handgun during a fight. In front of him. In front of him. Shot his wife. Ugh. After the shooting, Richard became sullen and withdrawn from his family and peers. Later that year, Richard moved in with his older sister, Ruth, and her husband, Roberto. Roberto. An obsessive peeping Tom. Of course. Who took Richie along on his nocturnal exploits. Like, Ruth really didn't... She... What? Dude. How could she not know what they were doing? (laughs) I didn't realize peepers worked in teams. He was just, I thought that was like a solo endeavor. Passing the tradition along, I guess. Mm. To the younger generation oh, of God. the fam. Teaching them the family trade. Yeah. Uh, it's a family tradition. Oh, my God. I hate it. I know. By the time Ramirez had turned 14 in early 1974, he began using LSD frequently and cultivated an interest in Satanism and the occult. As one does. Uh-huh. Mike was found not guilty of Jesse's murder by reason of insanity, Largely thought to be due to his presumed severe wartime PTSD from his serving in Vietnam and was released in 1977. Okay. I can understand the whole PTSD insanity thing. Mm-hmm. Don't let him go. No, he was, he was, <laughs> he was fucked up before, like, the PTSD. Mm-hmm. Okay? He Don't was doing this shit go. during war. Yeah. But they didn't know about any of that stuff, so... Yeah, he only served four years of incarceration at the Texas State Mental Hospital for killing his wife. His influence over Ramirez continued, and it's known that Mike resumed occasionally bonding with with Richard over shared use of drugs and alcohol, and that he sometimes accompanied Richard and Roberto on their nighttime voyeuristic walks, where they would spy on women in the nearby areas without their knowledge through windows. Okay. Mm-hmm. See? He was taught. <laughs> like, <laughs> I shall teach you how to peep and stalk. 
you follow me <laughs> i show you the ways <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah we both just nailed that accent okay <laughs> The adolescent Ramirez began to meld his burgeoning sexual fantasies, (laughs) (laughs) sexual fantasies with graphic violence, including forced bondage, murder, and rape. While still in school, he took. (laughs) When you say "oi," it's so cute. (laughs) While still in school, he took a job at a local Holiday Inn. (laughs) Just chilling at at the Holiday Inn. Inn. Where he used his passkey to rob sleeping patrons. (laughs) On at least one occasion, Ramirez sexually fondled and molested two children in an elevator at the hotel. But was never reported or prosecuted for this act. So how they know about that, I don't... His employment ended abruptly after Ramirez attempted to rape a woman in her hotel room before her husband returned to find them. Although the husband beat him senseless at the scene, criminal charges were dropped when the couple who lived out of state declined to return to Texas to testify against him. No, that shit's garbage. I'm sorry. I know. Like, can you imagine if they had come back to testify how different his path may have been Mm -hmm. and how many people would still be alive, possibly? I bet they've thought about that. I know. Like, I hate to put that on them. But But still. But, God, y'all... Guys, girls, whoever, like, don't, don't let that go. I know it might be hard, but press the charges. Yes. Power through. Do it. Power through. You may be doing somebody a favor. Saving lives. hmm Richard dropped out of Jefferson High School in the ninth grade. At the age of 22 in 1982, he moved to California where he settled permanently. It was around this time that he began to use cocaine. Cocaine. Surprise. Which would very quickly become his main substance of choice. Mm. And sometime shortly after this began, he would commit theft and burglaries to get money he would use for buying more cocaine. Of course. That's how you do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. His crimes may have begun sooner than authorities first thought. Oh, this is so sad. Okay. I don't wanna. On April 10th, 1984, Ramirez murdered a nine-year-old Chinese-American girl named Mei Lung in the basement of the apartment building where he was living at the time in the Tenderloin District of San Francisco. The, wait, the Tenderloin District? Yep. Okay. That's what it says. Okay. <laughs> Lung was with her eight-year-old brother when she reportedly lost a $1 bill. And you know how when you're nine years old, $1 bill... Is everything. Yeah. So she went to go look for it. It's like my kid with quarters right now. I know. Jeez. Like, oh my God, it's a nickel. It's all about the quarters at the moment. Oh, yeah? It was pennies because pennies were a different color than the rest of the coins. Right. But when you realize pennies don't get you shit. He still doesn't realize how much everything's worth. But now the quarter is bigger. So oh, yeah. Okay. I get it. It's the size that it's matters. This- <laughs> <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really hate that I just put a sex innuendo with your child. That is not okay. <laughs> it's it's fine. But I'm gonna I'm sick and we're gonna let it go. We're gonna yeah. let that one slide. It was the medicine. Mm-hmm. Um so she went to go look for the one dollar bill 
when Ramirez approached her and told her he knew where it was and to follow him to the basement. She agreed, and once they were in the basement, he beat, strangled, and raped her before stabbing her to death with a switchblade and hanging her partially nude body from a pipe by her shirt. Poor sweet baby girl. I know. <sighs> this was not identified as being connected to his subsequent Night Stalker crime spree until 2009 when his DNA was matched to a sample obtained at this crime scene. Go technology. This crime likely wasn't connected to Ramirez initially because it didn't fit the same pattern to the rest of his known murders. And the rest of his homicides usually involved him breaking into a home to kill. I have a picture of little May. She's so precious. Look how cute oh she God. is with her little kid big teeth. I know. <laughs> I love the little kid big teeth. Oh my God, she's so cute. She's so cute. She's got on a little sweater vest. I know. She's fresh. Very. <sighs> All right, here we go. Just buckle the fuck up because I'm about to tell y'all all the victims. Okay, tell me all of it. Okay. On June 28th, 1984, Jack Vancal visited his mother, Jenny, in her apartment in the Los Angeles Glassell Park neighborhood. He noticed a window screen missing, the front door unlocked, and his mother's belongings scattered around the home. Then he found his 79-year-old mother's body. She had been stabbed repeatedly in the head, neck, and chest while asleep in her bed and her throat slashed so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. His fingerprint was found on a mesh screen he removed to gain access through the open window. Um, this was his second known murder, and he would go on to establish his pattern of breaking into homes, committing particularly vicious murders, and frequently burglarizing his victims either before or after killing them, which was mainly to support his cocaine addiction and pay his rent. Mm-hmm. Nearly eight months passed after the Jenny Vincal murder before Ramirez would claim another victim. By March 1985, Ramirez had escalated his violence. Within a 10-day period, 10 days, dude, there had been <laughs> five more attacks um, with just one victim left alive. On March 17, 1985, Ramirez attacked 22-year-old Maria Hernandez outside her home in Rosemead, California, shooting her in the face with a twenty-two caliber handgun after she pulled into her garage. She survived when the bullet ricocheted off the keys mm -hmm. she held in her hands as she lifted them to protect herself. Insane. I know. Holy shit. Lucky girl. She played dead until he left. Smart girl. Yeah. But inside the house, her roommate, I think it's Dale... Yoshi Akazaki, 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 it is Akazaki, <laughs> I don't know where my brain's at, um, age 34, heard the gunshot and ducked behind a counter in the kitchen when she saw him enter. I've actually heard this, the story of like what actually happened. She was ducking down behind the counter to hide from him, but her hands were still on the counter, and he was waiting there for her. Mm -hmm. So when she like looked up to see where he was, he he shot her. Yep. She's got great eyebrows. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> She's got great eyebrows. She does. Girl, they you. on point. Like you, you have well. I was Look gonna say you, you have nothing funny. to worry about. But yeah, yeah. Gorge. Yeah. 
Within an hour of the Rosemead home invasion, Ramirez pulled 30-year-old, I don't know how to say this, and I didn't look it up, Sai Lan Yu. Um, American name is Veronica, so we're going to call her Veronica. Uh-huh. He pulled her out of her car in Monterey Park, shot her twice, and fled. She was pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. The two murders and attempted third in a single day attractive extensive coverage from the news media, who dubbed the attacker described as curly-haired with bulging eyes and wide-spaced, rotting teeth. Yuck. Um, I have a picture of Ew. Dale and Veronica. Okay. The first picture of them, it it has both of the girls. Yeah. And then I have a second picture. And Which is beautiful. a crime scene photo of Dale in the kitchen. Oh, poor Dale. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Just a warning. There's a dead body. Yep. But, you know, for those of you that like to look at it, go look at it. Head, it's not that bad. The head's blurred out. Yeah, it's blurred out. It's not that bad. I'm not I'm not going to post anything that's, like, completely vulgar. <laughs> Since <laughs> nobody messaged <laughs> To see yeah. the other one that I said I was not going to post. Yeah, and... Thank y'all for trusting me with that. <laughs> Facebook probably would be pissed anyways. Oh, yeah, that was a totally nude photo that I didn't post. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that one was not okay. On March 27th, 1985, Ramirez entered a home that he had burglarized a year earlier just outside of Whittier, California at approximately 2 a.m. This dude wasted no freaking time. <laughs> no time. Because he was coked out and never slept. That's true. Um, He killed the sleeping Vincent Zazara, 64, with a gunshot to his head. Zazara's wife, Maxine, 44, was awakened by the gunshot, and he beat her and bound her hands while demanding to know where her valuables were. While he ransacked the room, Maxine escaped her bonds and retrieved a shotgun from under the bed, but it wasn't loaded. No. Yeah. Okay. If you want to have a shotgun under the bed, that's for emergency purposes. Mm-hmm. Keep that bitch loaded. Right. The infuriated Ramirez shot her three times, then fetched a large carving knife from the kitchen. He mutilated her body by stabbing her several times, then removed her eyes with the knife Ooh. and placed them in a jewelry box, which he took when he left and kept in his apartment as a souvenir until he was arrested. Okay. The autopsy determined that the mutilations were post-mortem. Vincent and Maxine's bodies were discovered by their son, Peter. Aww. Ramirez left footprints from a pair of Avia sneakers, I think that's how you say that, in the flower beds, which the police photographed and cast. This was virtually the only evidence that the police had at the time. Bullets found at the scene were matched to those found at previous attacks, and the police determined that a serial killer was at large. I have a photo of the Zazaras. They're so cute. They're dressed all fancy. I know. Like, I imagine that they're, like, on a cruise ship and they're at dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, or, like, at some fancy, smoogy, like, bougie-ass fundraiser or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're probably philanthropists. Probably. I mean, he's in a tux, for goodness sake. I know. Check out the bow tie. Right? It's huge. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> That's 
it is. <laughs> yeah. All the while in February and March 1985, there were a series of child abductions in Montebello pa- Monterey Park and Glassell Park. All of the children were sexually assaulted and then abandoned. One of those children was six-year-old Anastasia Hronas. She and the other children provided police with a description of their kidnapper that raised alarms and inspired a hunch for one homicide detective. Detective Gil Carrillo Mm -hmm. spotted the similarities between the children's description and the one given by Maria Hernandez. Both Hernandez and the abducted children described their attacker as attacker as tall and light-skinned with brown-stained teeth and a pungent odor and a members-only style jacket. A pungent odor. Yeah, you about to see why. Go to the picture that says teeth. <laughs> there's um there's a artist sketch Hi. and there's a picture of him with smiling. So you get I to would s- hate to get a scan of those two. Oh, my God. <laughs> we get them. Oh, oh, we get them. I've seen some doozies, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Y'all, uh, if y'all don't that- know what we're talking about, we do. <laughs> oh, we do dental work. We Yeah, we. I think we've mentioned it once, but yeah. But I got to click off this picture because, once again, eyes are staring into my soul. It's Dude, that's. Out. The picture of him is creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. That'll give you nightmares right there. So Carrillo took his suspicions to his fellow homicide detectives. He went to his mentor and fellow detective, Frank Salerno. Badass. Mm -hmm. I have a picture of Gil and Frank because they are very significant to this case. So I had to throw them in too. Yes. Have you watched the documentary? Yes, I have. They're fabulous. Yeah. That's where these pictures came from. Yeah, I was like, oh, those are really good pictures of them. Yeah. So, yeah. There is, yeah, there is a documentary. What, did it come out this year? I don't remember when it came out. I don't remember that kind of stuff. It was, it's pretty new. But yeah, it, it's good. Y'all should go watch that one too. Salerno said it was unheard of for a criminal to have such wide ranging types of victims, men, women, and children, and such varied methods of killing. Ramirez had used guns, knives, and, um, kind of, you know, mixed in rape and killing. Like, he didn't do the same thing every single time. And serial killers don't typically use guns. Hardly at all. So, in late spring of 1985, Carrillo learned of another shoe print that might link the murders to the child abductions. A child was taken from the Montebello area. Area. Ariel. Ariola. <laughs> you went all the way there. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Okay. A child was taken from the Montebello area and assaulted at a nearby construction site. The cement at the site was still wet, and the print was extremely similar to the one found at the Zazara home. Soon after, Carrillo and Salerno became partners. By this time, there had been yet another attack. Dun, dun, dun. There you go. On May 14th, 1985... Busy year. Good right? lord. Ramirez returned to Monterey Park and entered the home of Bill Doy, age 66, and his disabled wife Lillian, age 56. Mm-hmm. 
Surprising Doi in his bedroom, Ramirez shot him in the face as Doi went for his own handgun. After beating the mortally wounded man into unconsciousness, Ramirez entered Lillian's bedroom, bound her with thumb cuffs. Yes, thumb cuffs. I can't. Then raped her after and had ransacked the home for valuables. Bill Doy died of his injuries while in the hospital. As the summer wore on, more people reported similar nighttime break-ins and attacks in nearby cities of Monrovia, Burbank, and, Ar- <laughs> and Arcadia. I'm okay. On the night of May 19, 1985, Ramirez drove a stolen car to Monrovia and stopped at the house of Maybell, Ma Bell, age 83, and her disabled sister, Florence Nettie Lang, age 81. Finding a hammer in the kitchen, he bludgeoned and bound Lang to her bedroom, then bound and bludgeoned Bell before using an electrical cord to shock the woman. No. After raping Lang, he used Bell's lipstick to draw the satanic pentagram symbol on her thigh as well as on the walls of both bedrooms. The women were found two days later alive but comatose and critically injured. Belle later died of her injuries in the hospital. I have a picture of the bedroom with the pentagram on the wall. Okay. Yeah. I see that. Yeah, there's an arrow pointing to it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah. Eh. Whatever, dude. It's so sad. I know. Like, it's always sad, but it's just, it feels like something different for me when it's, like, elderly or disabled mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. Cause it, it, and children. You know, people that it's, they don't really, they don't really have a chance. No, it's not, it's not, it's not a fair fight. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, it's bad either way. Right. It but, just, yeah, you're right. It's, it, it hits me different mm-hmm. when it's somebody that doesn't have a chance for sticking exactly. up for themselves. It, it bothers me a lot. The next day, Ramirez drove the same car to Burbank and snuck into the home of Carol Kyle, age 42. At gunpoint, he bound Kyle and her 11-year-old son with handcuffs, then ransacked the house. He released Kyle to direct him where the family's valuables were. Then he raped her repeatedly. Ramirez also repeatedly ordered her not to look at him, telling her at one point that he would cut her eyes out, as he's already done to another victim he fled the scene after retrieving the child from the closet and binding the two together with handcuffs the little boy was handcuffed to his mom's body yeah like what the fuck dude on the night of july 2nd 1985 he drove to arcadia and randomly selected the house of mary louise cannon age 75 a widowed grandmother After quietly entering Cannon's home, he found her asleep in her bedroom. He bludgeoned her into unconsciousness with a lamp and then stabbed her to death using a 10-inch butcher knife he found from her very own kitchen. Ramirez repeatedly stabbed her body after she was already dead. Rage. Yeah. On July 5th, 1985, Ramirez broke into a home in, in the Sierra Madre area and bludgeoned 16 year old whitney bennett with a tire iron tire iron as she slept in her bedroom after searching for a knife in the kitchen ramirez tried to strangle the girl with a telephone cord he stated that he was startled to see the electrical sparks emanate from the cord 
And when his victim began to breathe, he fled the house, believing that Jesus Christ had intervened and saved her. Hey, whatever. <laughs> Bennett survived. and <laughs> I mean, whatever works. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, dude. <laughs> she survived the savage beating and attempted strangulation, although 478 stitches were required to close the lacerations on her scalp. Oh, my gosh. While examining the crime scene, police found another shoe print, just like the first two on Bennett's comforter. I got a picture of Whitney and her comforter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cute little Whitney. Uh, yeah. Yeah? She's adorbs. I know. And then there's her cute little bedroom with a shoe print on her comforter. He's so retarded. Yep. Whitney has a cat. I know. You see? <laughs> I noticed that, too. I was like, well, there's the litter box right yeah. by the bed. <laughs> That's not sanitary, Whitney. Ew. Come on, girl. Get it together. She's okay. 16. She can't help it. Where are her parents? Uh... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't say. Okay, so Carrillo and Salerno now agree that these attacks were being perpetrated by one man. After the police determined that the attacks around the city were likely all by one assailant, they started looking into other similar cases from the same period. One case that raised alarms with Carrillo and Salerno was an attempted abduction near Eagle Rock, a neighborhood in northeast Los Angeles. A victim police would describe as young female fought off a would-be abductor who drove away in a Toyota. That's important. Moments later, another officer spotted the Toyota committing a traffic violation, but after he was pulled over, the suspect escaped on foot, leaving the car behind. Before he ran, he drew a pentagram into the dust on the windshield. Good God. The same night, less than a mile away, Sophie Dickman was sexually assaulted in her Monterey Park home. Dickman would later quote Ramirez with saying, don't look at me during the attack. By this time, the media was starting to suspect that the, what the police already knew. There was a serial killer and a rapist on the loose in Los Angeles. No shit. It took him this long to figure that out. <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they... We, it's fine. They, they were, they, you know, it's fine. It was the times. The media coverage had citizens scared that they, that just about anyone could fall victim to this still unknown prowler. Thousands of tips poured in, into the um, sheriff's hotlines. On July 7th, 1985. Y'all keeping up with this? This, <laughs> this is two days later after Whitney. <laughs> Okay. Everything happened like in a week. It's like bam, 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 bam. <laughs> okay. On July 7th, Ramirez burglarized the home of Joyce Lucille Nelson, age 60, in Monterey Park. Finding her asleep on her living room couch, he beat her to death by stomping on her face repeatedly. I can't. Yeah. That's like the worst one. A shoe print from the sneaker was left imprinted on her face. Of course it was. That's actually a good thing. Well, I know that. I know, but that's so... Uh, good God. I, I mean, can't with the stomping on the face. He stomped that, her ugh. so... I mean, oh my God. So hard God. that his shoe that left a print. sneaker left a shoe print on her. After cruising two other neighborhoods, he returned to Monterey Park and chose the home of Sophie Dickman. 
earlier, like it was just talking about when, like, the connection between the cases and stuff like that with her. But here's what actually happened. Um, Sophie Dickman, 63, Ramirez assaulted and handcuffed Dickman at gunpoint, attempted to rape her, and stole her jewelry. But um, when she swore to him that he had taken everything of value, he told her to swear on Satan that she was telling the truth. So, whatever. I do have a picture of um, Joyce, though. Okay. Um, Joyce looks precious, by the way. I know. In her watermelon. Eating her watermelon in her Bermuda shorts. like Right? She's adorable. The day after the Nelson murder, Carrillo and Salerno, finally, frock, (laughs) (laughs) finally got their hands on the stolen Toyota, but they weren't able to recover any fingerprints. Whatever. On July 20th, 1985. I'm just going to stop saying 1985. (laughs) It's a given at this point. It's kind of a given. Ramirez purchased a machete Mm. before driving another stolen Toyota to Glendale, California. He just absolutely gave no frocks (laughs) about anything he was doing. No, he did not. He chose the home of Layla Needing, age 66, and her husband, Maxon. I love that name. Maxon? Maxon. Like, that's so different. Mm-hmm. Age 68. He burst into the sleeping couple's bedroom and hacked them with the machete, then killed them with shots to the head from his handgun. He further mutilated their bodies with the machete before robbing the house of valuables. After quickly fencing the stolen items from the needing residents, he drove to Sun Valley. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Cher went to that party in Clueless. Where are you? Sun Valley. You owe me. I know. I know. That's fantastic. Okay. I have a picture of the lovely couple. And then prepare yourself for the second photo. What a cute couple. Aren't they adorable? Precious little grandparents. They look like they're, like, going to church. Or they're at a wedding. She's got pearls on. They're at a wedding. They're at a wedding. I'm about to put that laughter to an end. Go look at the second photo. Okay. Nope, I don't want to. Mm. Oh, Melanta. It's bad. Yeah, that's bad. It's real bad, y'all. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, it, they're in their bed. I'm just gonna say oh, that. Oh, honeys. Yeah, it's really sad. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for killing my buzz. You're welcome. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have no way to bring you back up except to try to find the humor in any of this. Okay. He wasn't done that night. At approximately 4.15 a.m., same night, he broke into the home of the family. I- <laughs> the hmm <laughs> Havanoth? Havanoth? Nailed it. Yeah, family. I know that's really disrespectful. I should, like, really learn how to say their Sometimes names. Sometimes names are hard. But the, that, y'all, it's been a long week. He shot the sleeping family in the head. <laughs> I don't... I don't... Ch- I cannot, I cannot say this name. It is so weird. I'll post it, y'all. I'll post the name. Y'all have at it. Um, in the head with a 25 caliber handgun. He got him a new gun. K- 
killing him instantly, then repeatedly raped and beat the wife. He bound the couple's eight-year-old son before dragging the mom around the house to reveal... I laughed because I can't say her name. I'm not laughing about the situation. Around the house to reveal the location of any valuable items which he stole. During his assault, he demanded that she swear to Satan that he that she was not hiding any money from him. On August 6th, Ramirez drove to Northridge and broke into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson. He crept into the bedroom, startled Virginia, age 27, and shot her in the face. He then shot Chris in the neck and attempted to flee. Chris fought back while avoiding being hit by two more shots during the struggle before Ramirez managed to escape. The couple survived their injuries. Um, hero. He got shot in the neck uh-huh. and kept fighting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's correct. On August 8th, he drove another stolen car to Diamond Bar, California and chose the home of Sakina Albawath, age 27, and her husband, Elias, age 31. Sometime after 2.30 a.m., he entered the house and went to the master bedroom. He instantly killed the sleeping Elias with a shot to the head. He handcuffed and beat Sakina while forcing her to reveal the location of the family's jewelry and then brutally raped her. He repeatedly demanded that she swear on Satan that she would not scream during his assaults. When the couple's three-year-old son entered the bedroom, he tied the child up and continued to rape Sakina. Oh, my God. After Ramirez left the home, Sakira, Sakina untied her son, and he ran to the neighbors for help. Go, three-year-old! Holy oh crap! God. Holy I, crap. I can't imagine Ashton doing that. Ashton's no. Three. I know. Can I you can't imagine? imagine him thinking, I need to go get help. Well, I mean, she was like, go. go." Well, I mean, if I told him to, I guess he would. But but I mean, at in the middle of the night, two, three. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I let's can't. say it's three o'clock in the morning by that time. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Uh, just crazy. the trauma. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have a picture of sweet Elias. Okay. Because he's precious looking. Look at his swoopy hair. <laughs> I know. Aww. Yeah. So. Goodness. Ten days after the Diamond Bar attack, San Francisco police were called to the scene of a now all too familiar scene. Ramirez, who had been following the media coverage of his crimes, left Los Angeles and headed to San Francisco. Um... Because he figured it would be safer there since there was too much attention in L.A. On August 18th, he entered the home of Peter and Barbara Pan. Peter Pan! That is fantastic. (laughs) Oh, my God. Whoever, his parents are geniuses, okay? That's fantastic. Good for them. Why would you not take advantage of that? He shot the sleeping Peter, age 66, in the temple, which killed him instantly. He then beat and sexually assaulted Barbara, age 62, before shooting her in the head and leaving her for dead. Maybe Peter should have stayed in Neverland. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Oh. At the crime scene, Ramirez used lipstick to scrawl a pentagram and the phrase, Jack the Knife, on the bedroom wall. Ramirez again left a shoe print at the scene that detectives discovered and matched to a specific pair of shoes that wasn't common at the time. 
Upon the discovery of the make and distribution across the United States, only six of them existed in the size 11 and a half. With five of them shipped to locations in Arizona and one shipped to a shoe store in Los Angeles, it was evident that the one pair of its size and kind in the state of California then belonged to Ramirez. <laughs> love, gotta love the shoes. <laughs> They're really terrible shoes. <laughs> You'll see. I got <laughs> you. You about to see. Um, when it was discovered that the ballistics and the shoe print evidence from the Los Angeles crime scenes matched the pan crime scene, San Francisco's then mayor, Diane Feinstein, divulged the information. <sighs> this is why police don't release information to the media. Um, they released the gun caliber and all that shit. The leak infuriated the detectives in the case as they knew the killer would be following media coverage which gave him opportunity to destroy crucial forensic evidence. Ramirez, who had indeed been watching the press, dropped his size 11 and a half sneakers over the side of the Golden Gate Bridge that night. He remained in the area for a few more days, heading back to the Los Angeles area. I'll have a picture of the shoes. And the footprints and all that shit that goes with it. See? Terrible shoes. They are. <laughs> Yeah. On August 24th, Ramirez traveled 76 miles south of Los Angeles in a stolen orange Toyota to Mission Viejo. That night, he arrived at the home of James, <laughs> James Ramiro Jr., who had just returned from a family vacation to Rosarito. Rosarito. <laughs> I'm okay. Rosarito Beach in Mexico. This is not my first time reading this shit, you guys. I wrote this. I swear <laughs> to God, I know what it says. Hmm. Likely story. <laughs> I flipped her off. <laughs> Romero's son, 13-year-old James Romero Third, happened to be awake and heard Ramirez's footsteps outside the house. Thinking there was a prowler, James went to wake up his parents, and Ramirez fled the scene. James raced outside and noted the color, make, and style of the car, as well as a partial license plate number. Good well, job, sweet boy. Yes, hero, hero of the whole freaking thing. Ramiro contacted the police with his information, believing James had chased away the thief. After this encounter, Ramirez broke into Bill Karn's house. Age 30, and his fiancée, Inez Erickson, age 29, through a back door. Ramirez entered the sleeping couple's bedroom and awakened Carnes when he cocked his gun. He shot Carnes three times in the head before turning his attention to Erickson. Ramirez told her that he was the Night Stalker and forced her to swear she loved Satan as he beat her with his fists and bound her with neckties from the closet. Okay. No. I don't care what you're doing to me. I'm not going to say that I love Satan. It's just words. I. Mm. If it will save my life, I will say whatever you want me to say because it's just words. Okay, but it didn't. She didn't know that. <sighs> I know. I know. Like, I can say that because I'm not in the situation, yeah. but. Uh, I'd say it. If I thought it was going to save my life, I'd I say know, it. but what if it would send you to hell? We have differing opinions on that. I know. We do. Okay. 
I'll that's say fine. Whatever he tells me to say. That's fine. It's gonna save my life. Well, and if you do, okay, to all the Christians, <laughs> no, well, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna get into that conversation. Well, even <laughs> so, this should make you feel better. Even so, if you're a Christian, you believe that God knows your heart. That's what I was just so about to say. He, if you believe that God knows your heart, yeah, God knows that you're not he, saying that for real. Yeah. So you'll so you're, say you'll what be you fine. need to say if you think it's gonna save your life. That's true. But it just sucks that it didn't work. Okay. So he forced her to say that as he beat her with his fists and bound her with neckties from the closet. After stealing what he could find, Ramirez dragged Erickson to another room before raping her. He then demanded cash and more jewelry and made her swear on Satan that there was no more. Come on, dude. Like, get a new thing. I don't... Before leaving the home, Ramirez told her, tell them the Night Stalker was here. Erickson untied herself and went to a neighbor's house to get help for her severely injured fiance. Surgeons removed two of the three bullets from his head and he survived his injuries. So yeah, she didn't die, but she still got raped. Yeah. Remember that little boy who managed to get two numbers off the license plate? He actually got an eight and a two. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that, but that's what he got. This turned out to be an enormously valuable tip. Shortly afterward, Romero's car sighting was shared with the local news media. Then another man came forward. He told investigators that a friend recently had an orange Toyota station wagon stolen in Chinatown. What? I have a picture of little Mr. Hero, James Romero the third. He's so cute. He is so stinking cute. Dude, if I was a 13-year-old kid at the time, like I would have totally had a crush on him. He is the cutest thing. And he's adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that was the kind of kid when I was young that I would, like, be like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's cute. Yeah. The plates matched. Ta-da! Police quickly located the vehicle, a 1976 orange Toyota station wagon in a parking lot in downtown Los Angeles. The Orange County Crime Lab processed the car and hit the jackpot the police had been waiting for for all of these many months. A fingerprint. Ooh. <sighs> you want to see the car? Uh-huh. Okay. The car. <laughs> um, also have a picture of the other one that they got, and it says safe for fingerprints or something on the windshield. Hold for prints. Hold for prints. Yeah. <laughs> that they got none off of. I don't think I, in any sort of lifetime, would be cool enough to drive an orange station wagon. That's going to be our road trip car. We're going to get an orange station wagon. Ooh, can we get the one from the Griswolds? Can we get that station wagon? Are you fucking kidding me? The wood paneled station wagon? I was about to, I thought you were looking at me like you've never seen those movies. I was about to throw something well, at you. Well, the only one I've seen is Family Vacation. You've or, never seen, or Christmas Vacation. I was about to say, you've never seen Christmas Vacation? Yeah, it's Christmas Vacation. That's okay, well, as long as you've seen Christmas Vacation, we can still be friends. Okay. I didn't see that until a few years ago. I, oh my God, I love that movie. It's so good. I love Aunt Bethany. You want to say grace? <laughs> I, I pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> everybody just falls in line. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> so, police continued following their leads to track down the man to, now known as the Night Stalker. Los Angeles detectives followed a tip from a local woman whose father believed he had befriended the killer. 
He told police about a man from El Paso, Texas, who went by Rick, a man who openly bragged about still confidential information about the night soccer murders. Hmm. Meanwhile, San Francisco police were also chasing down a lead surrounding a Rick from El Paso. El Paso. El Paso. (laughs) (laughs) That trail of clues involving a stolen bracelet bracelet led them to a man named Armando Rodriguez, a friend to Ramirez. Rodriguez was the one who told them the Night Stalker's name was Richard Ramirez. Police finally had a name. There were eight people named Richard Ramirez within with fingerprints in the police records, and one was a perfect match. Ramirez had previously been booked for Grand Theft Auto and some petty theft. Police took his 1984 booking photo to the informant in San Francisco. He identified the man in the photo as Richard Ramirez. Police released the name and the photo to the media, and by the next morning, Richard Ramirez was on the front page of the L.A. Herald Examiner, and his name and his photo were all over the TV news. That morning, Ramirez walked into a liquor store downtown L.A. and saw his face on the front page of the newspaper. There was a woman actually, like, talking to a cop at the time that was there, and she was like, hey, um, that, that guy over there, that, I think that's him. <laughs> so, he ran. As soon as Ramirez started running, people recognized him from the newspapers. He sprinted across the 5 freeway into Boyle Heights, where he successfully tried to carjack Angelina de la Torre. He screamed at her in Spanish to give him the keys. She refused. Her husband, Manuel, ran out of the house and hit Ramirez in the head with a metal pole. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Get it, Manny. Yeah. Hearing the commotion, neighbors came outside and surrounded Ramirez. They started beating the shit out of him. Okay. Of course they did. (laughs) Like. (laughs) Mob mentality. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you? I would. I'd get a kick in there. A stomp on the face. Get in when you fit in. Mm-hmm. According to the local police who first responded to reports of a fight in the area, the crowd was waving and pointing at newspapers saying that the man that they were detaining was the Night Stalker. Shortly after Ramirez was apprehended, he pro- he proclaimed to the police, It's me! It's me! <laughs> Help! <laughs> like, like that, Arrest re- me, please! Really, that's why he was screaming, it's me. He's like, yeah. he was begging for them to come get him. <laughs> I have a picture <laughs> of the mob on the street, actually. I don't know how they caught this picture. That's fantastic. But <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, I can't see him in it. Like, I can't determine what's him, but there you go. He's probably at the bottom of that. Yeah, pile you probably can't see him. He, yeah. <laughs> He's on the ground, which I'm okay with. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, little doubt remained that Ramirez was the one behind the Night Stalker attacks. Well, no shit. Um, outside the Hollenbeck police station, a crowd had gathered, hoping to get a glimpse of the man who had caused so much fear and horror in the summer of 1985. Police spoke to the press and tried to keep control of the group as Ramirez was escorted out of the station. In July 1988, Ramirez had his first court appearance. He pleaded not guilty to all of the charges against him. Seriously, bro? Yeah. Um, I actually have a recording of that. Richard Ramirez stuns a packed courtroom. 
The man accused of 14 murders that terrorized California holds up his palm for the world to see. There is a five-pointed star enclosed in a circle, a pentagram. To some, it is the mark of the devil. Then, after pleading not guilty to all the charges, court was recessed. But Ramirez had the last word. Um, But before he left the courtroom, Ramirez raised his hand to show a drawing of a pentagram on his palm. Hail Satan, he said as he exited the courtroom. Have a picture. It says captured. And it has a picture of him holding up his palm. And chilling in the courtroom with sunglasses. Oh my gosh. Like he wore all black and there were several supporters that showed up and wore all black as well. Of course there were. You know, doing the devil sign and all that bullshit. Whatever. In September 1989, Richard Ramirez was found guilty on all charges, convicted of 13 counts of murder, 5 attempted murders, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 burglaries. He was sentenced to 19 death penalties. 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 I'm okay. I have a picture of more crime scenes, but I'm not positive who they belong to, so I didn't uh, put them with the cases, but we can go look at those if you would like to. Okay. It's a lot of blood. I see them and it's gross. Yep. It's gross. There's um, two more bodies. I don't know. I don't know who they are. Lots of spatter. Lots, lots of blood spatter mm-hmm. um, all over the wall. And brain matter in, in it's our corner. Yep, that's everywhere. It's it's there. You go. Uh, in 1996, Richard Ramirez. <laughs> I cannot believe this shit. It's like another Ted Bundy thing. Married longtime fan Doreen Loy. Girls, Lo- ladies, ladies. I don't know. Just no. Come Just on. Know. What? Whatever. Just know. She married him in uh, the San Quentin prison in California, but she did leave him in 2009 when his DNA was matched to samples collected at the 1994 San Francisco murder scene. Oh, good. (laughs) Thought he was in prison in 1994. He was, but that's when the samples were collected that matched him to those. Oh, okay. That that was the one that took place like that they okay. didn't know about that they finally I thought you were saying at a nineteen ninety four. No 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 that it was, was like I thought he was in jail in nineteen ninety four. No, that was the little girl May that okay. he Okay. I'm with you now. Okay. Um I have a picture of his wife. Okay. Or then wife and him. It's a Polaroid. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Honey. Honey no. Uh I mean Okay, yeah, good. You can do better than a man on death row. I mean, like, I would like to give her credit that she left when she, like, that. that's the straw that broke the camel's back. But she (laughs) had already known all the things he did before. Exactly. Thank you. So what's that one more thing mean? I'm sorry, honey. I I can't. Mm -mm. But uh, karma got his ass. He died in 2013 of complications from B-cell lymphoma while waiting execution. The end. The end. (laughs) Happily ever after. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Jesus. I don't think I've done one that long ever. 
It was a it was a big one. It was a big one. It was a doozy. Okay. Well, (laughs) if you like that, go follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Apple and rate and review us on all the stuffs. Rate and review. If you want a sticker, you'll do what's good for you. Oh, how daunting. (laughs) And go give us a review. Yeah. So it really does help us out. If you guys want to, um, Want to support us? That's the best way to do it right now. Look, I'm just going to say it. If y'all want more stuff, I know we already give y'all incredible, awesome material. But we have so much more that we want to do for y'all. But in order for us to do that, we need more recognition. We need more. From, from the Apple and Spotify people. We need more Mostly followers. Apple. Yeah, Apple, Apple is what does it. We need more followers. So do that and, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook stuff, do that. And, um, I think I'm going to put us on Reddit. Okay. I think so. You do that. (sighs) (laughs) It's one more thing. I don't have time for one more thing (laughs) at the moment. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out, but I think I'm going to do it. It's time. Okay, well, we'll update you when and if that happens. Yeah. And shout out to Amanda, Stephen, and Craig for their awesome art and editing and music. Yeah, I like them. They're pretty cool. (laughs) I can't with this girl. (laughs) Somebody come get her. All right. Yeah, whatever. They ain't come to get me yet, so. Or you. So I think we're safe. For now. I thought I was going to have a lady come back. There's nothing there. Um, my brain is done. Okay, so we'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.